Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, this is the audio version of the Cultaholic Classic Nitro Review. You can watch the video version and take part in a future episode by going to patreon.com forward slash Cultaholic. It's showtime, folks! This is where the big boys play, huh? Woo! And look at Goldberg! He's ready! It's going to be the biggest battleground in the history of our sport. Is the Colts Arctic Classic Nitro review? We are back <laughs> in the halcyon days, the mid 90s, uh, with not only myself. Uh, former Cult Arctic Heavyweight Champion Tom Campbell. I am with reigning WCW resident WCW kid Sam Driver. And let's just say former multiple time Cult Holic Champion. Former Don't you ever put yourself ahead of me again in that respect? <laughs> Putting me over like Rover, brother. Yeah, How many yeah. times have you been Cult Holic Champion? I couldn't tell Two? you, but I had a very long reign at one point. How long? I can't. I couldn't tell you. It, it's all online. It's all there. I'm sure. So, I'm sure some historian is keeping track of all the reigns. I am worried about this show that we do, Sam Driver. Why? I am worried, right? Why? I'll tell you why I'm worried. It's not because it's you. Okay. I, I, I enjoy every opportunity I get to spend time with you. Oh, you're but bloody better. I do, mate. It's, it's a gift. <laughs> every day's a gift. Um, but I know you are the resident WCW kid in yeah. our place. And I'm worried that this is turning you off WCW. Oh, not at all. Like it, it's, it is like part of the beauty of it is that it's a total crap fest for a while. Yes. And then it inexplicably becomes the coolest thing on TV. And then it just fades away into insanity. It's it kind of you know it, it, the the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. <laughs> except it was maybe like fifty times as bright, uh, and you know it, it has that tiny little run, uh, and that's it. <laughs> you know the film. The There's short... a hell of a lot of great WCW before this, though. There a hell is. of a lot. Oh, oh, absolutely. But yeah. you know we we're coming out the worst period the industry's ever seen right now. So this is uh, some primo. Some primo WCW poo. <laughs> you know the Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. You know when Andy Dufresne goes through the sewers? Calls, uh, was it crawls through a mile of shit? That's it. <laughs> emerges clean on the other side. Because yeah. he lands in that, in that lake at the other side and he's washed clean, mm-hmm. right? I feel like we're in that that we're in we're halfway through the miles of shit we've reached like that that big underground fat ball that's in the the sewers of london that's where we are we're just kind of gently poking it with a stick because we don't want to touch it (laughs) we can just borrow a hole through it 
there's something magnificent on the other side, but there's just a big fat ball in the way. <laughs> Meanwhile, the uh, the sergeant major of the of the prison has just thrown a has thrown a stone through that picture of Carol Vorderman, yeah, and realised that it bounces all the way back. Yeah, but not before sticking his whole hand through it first. <laughs> just like, oh my god, what, what? And then he's up to his shoulder. What? <laughs> How Wait, far does this go? Head in. What? That's the best reveal in a film, he I starts think. climbing so into good. the poster. But then the thing is, I think, as you described so beautifully there, I feel like our Andy Dufresne is about to land in the river, be washed clean by the waters, and then climb through another tunnel of shit. Yeah, it's like he's popped up a mile early. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> There's still some searchlights. He's like, oh, shit. Back in get the back down. Go. Get back down. Uh, so we're going to continue our journey through there. But first of all, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm grand, mate. Yeah. I'm grand. How are the tattoos? Are they healing nicely? Yeah, they're all healing fine. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Have you yeah. booked any more since? Uh, no, I, I'm trying to space it out because otherwise I'll just be too full too quick. Like, I, 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 know, I already know what I want next. So I I don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to be a while off yet. But I want King Diamond on the back of my right calf. Because King Diamond is the greatest. Nice. He's just the greatest. He is the greatest. <laughs> He's like the most metal, the most cheesy, the most every... King Diamond is everything. He is everything. <laughs> and he was a member of Merciful Fate. So it's, it's just, oh my God. He's all the best things. He is, yeah. And he's got the face paint and the funny facial expressions. And if you go back far he's got the cape it's fantastic he is all the best things he uh, well merciful fate did their first gig in like uh over a decade maybe a bit longer not too long ago and he, he just came out in like a black wedding dress and it was like oh king diamond you old <laughs> dog <laughs> fucking kill it go on and he did yeah he still hits all of the insanely high notes it's like you, you must have heard like rob halford from judas priest right yes. like super high like king that's king diamond he, he's that kind of very big operatic ridiculous over the top like wizards and witches and sorcery <laughs> and you know he's just fantastic there needs so. to be more music like that maybe. yeah it's it's like really self-aware mm. but at the same time it it's because of when it came about it was massively pioneering and it's like bizarre because it's so over the top but it's like <laughs> it's just the greatest it's 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 quite the journey <laughs> and oh, i'm glad so is it like a full-time comeback then or is it just like a one-off uh, oh. i think merciful fate will probably do an album or something and then mm. they'll disappear back off into the ether but king diamond never really went away he just kind of comes and goes he just it just it's it's if someone says his name three times in the mirror i wish he just, <laughs> he'd be at my house all the time <laughs> hanging out against car. his will <laughs> is the move going all right uh yeah that's the so i i'm like feeling a bit better because i've managed to get loads of the boxes upstairs get them started sorting through them all everything's like starting to smooth out a bit because christ it's that initial move phase when like you don't have a big shop in so i've got my big shop in now but you don't have a big shop in so you're just eating crap and then you just end up staying up super late. You fall asleep on the couch and there's just boxes of crap everywhere and the floor's just covered. And it, yeah, it's it's been through that phase now. Now getting into the tidying phase and everything's going to be fine soon. I just need to find somewhere to stick my pachinko machine and then I need to choose which room I'm going to stream in uh, and then I'm going to have a home stream set up ready when I can afford it. <laughs> and then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. But I finally, um, the saga of my internet, has finally come to a close, I hope, because Friday morning, they're like, we're sending a technician round to sort your internet because, like, 
Sky were providing my internet to somebody else for a month uh, and, and I was paying for it. Uh, so uh, like that broke my contract with Sky, which was nice because Sky could only provide me with like 30 meg. And I was like, yeah. like the box is right out in front of my house. I was like, 30 meg. In this day and age. 30 meg. 30 meg. And for like a five or less, I could get like 100 meg somewhere else. I was like, yeah, I'm just leaving. See you later. <laughs> Did they like, try and keep They were like, call us back. <laughs> yeah, not happening. Because <laughs> they do throw everything at you to keep you. Yeah, well, I, I wish they would have, uh, but they didn't. I was kind of sitting there going like, you know, six, six months of now TV movies or something. No, uh, fuck it. I'm going to go elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you can we come around and give you a kiss no yeah. I don't want to kiss it'd just be another streaming service I don't watch and pay for anyway so, <laughs> so yeah, what's the point that's it I, I only realised uh, on Sunday that I've got a BritBox subscription yeah uh, it, like it's, six months of free BritBox that I haven't stuff, used it. It, it there needs to be an easier way to just get rid of all of that because mm. like there needs to be an app you can log into and it's like hey here's what you got and you can just kill it because mm. that would be so handy I just don't watch. I just, I just don't. No, it's all like of the watching. amount of things I get for one thing to watch. Like I'll get a seven day trial on Prime and like just to watch something ridiculous. And then uh, three months later, it's still giving me recommendations. And I'm like, oh God, am I, I'm not subscribed to that, am I? Oh God, $9.99 a month. Oh God. <laughs> stop, stop, and then you stop, start scrolling stop. down and there's more channels and it's like, when the fuck did I get Discovery? <laughs> what the fuck? And then you got to kind of just, yeah, chip away at them. But history, though, history were like, oh, you want to cancel? It's like, yeah, it's like, we'll give we'll you we'll another four months for a pound a month. It's like, yeah, and then I'll cancel. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. thanks. I'll watch it for a little I'll longer. Watch Skinwalker Ranch five more times <laughs> and then we'll crack on. <laughs> there is too much, isn't there? Yeah, I, uh, you know, right up until they started posting really harmful stuff, I loved Gaia because it was all just like, you know, conspiracy, mental, like yeah, aliens. Guy, and like, yeah, and then David it became, Icke's on there, and then it, he? Yeah, then it became like population control and then it very quickly descended into the rabble of bollocks that we all had to sit and listen to over the <laughs> lockdown period and that was like oh Gaia you're uh you're actually really dangerous so bye is I've I've yeah. watched I have not seen Gaia I watched Ordinary Things do a special on Gaia yes Ordinary Things is fantastic I'm glad you yeah. watch Ordinary Things big fan of I think he follows me on Twitter really oh so. my god you lucky fucker he we is, know, we've never interacted but he I'm is pretty sure straight up he's like my favorite He's my favorite YouTuber right now. He's ace. <laughs> I just watch all of his stuff like on a loop. On a loop. His uh his like the the one that kind of Oh no, he doesn't the, anymore. He did brief Dirty Money Laundry, like London. Mm. Uh, he explains like the London bank banking system and stuff. And it's just he's so good. He's, he's really so he's very, funny. Yeah, have you very seen him clever in, man. Um the have you do you watch Internet Historian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. Incognito mode. Do you follow yeah, that? So so you've you seen a Steve Bonnet. Yes. Yeah, that was that was how I was introduced to him. That's and amazing. it was like and I love pirates anyway, so I was like, this is this is literally the best. It's like a 90 he minute special on Steve Bonnet. To play St- Steed. Steve not Bonnet. Steve. Sorry, not Steve Bonnet. Stone Cold Steve Bonnet. The gentleman pirate. Steve the gentleman pirate who yes. went, who, who realized he couldn't afford to keep now a his hit family. series by Taika Waititi. Uh <laughs> but it's uh yeah, he he didn't realize he couldn't afford to keep his family. He just kind of got bored and fucked off. <laughs> like I thought it was like the bank would stop lending him money. So he went, I'm just going to go and be a pirate. I, well, yeah, I think, like I think good, that uh, weighed it up. But business. I think he was spent a lot of time just staring out at the sea going, um, I, go mm, I could just leave all of this shit behind. <laughs> Do you think if you were around in that time, you would have con- considered being a pirate? Oh, I would have went on a crew and died immediately. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, like, I, There's something about like, because Steph hates big ships, but I like, I really want at some point in my life, 
and this sounds insane, but I really just want to be in like the 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 control area of a cargo ship going through a heinous storm. <laughs> I want to feel a ship that big going up and down just gargantuan waves <laughs> and feeling the weight of it just getting thrown around like nothing. Like I I love I love love the sea so like the thought of just being on a massive boat like that getting thrown around with nothing that you can do to stop it wow and it's just like at any point this whole ship could just roll i don't know what it is i just want it i want to experience it is it is it that's like of... imagine have you ever seen them launch a ship when a ship just goes yeah into the water and almost sideways if you could just like sellotape me to a chair and then just kick it out to uh to launch i would just sit there gleefully just going back and forward like is this. it that feeling of like your fate being in the hands of the gods yeah kind of it's just kind of you know whatever's going to happen here is going to happen so yeah. gps and uh you know the supreme overlord being whatever it is uh you know take the wheel <laughs> are you a bit like that as a person do you think where like you're like just whatever's gonna happen's gonna happen uh to a degree i think i believe in some element of fate but at the same time i, I don't think it's like set in stone i think you can uh you, you're the master of your own like i, I believe in self-determination i think mm. so like you uh yeah you you kind of get out what you put in and i've spent too much time putting out negative things and now it's time to put out positive things um and uh yeah just kind of take back control a little bit but then if you do put me on a ship, just Jesus take the wheel. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got you on a metaphorical ship right now. The, the a ship friend that is, ship. A friend ship <laughs> that is piloting the, 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 the cargo freight that is Monday Nitro in 1996. Yes. Yeah. Um, which kind of comes back to like what I was saying at the start. Like I was worried because like you, you're such a 90s Nitro kid. Oh, no, watching like, it week I, to week, Tom, I'm I've just watched, like... I've watched it through once before. It, it just becomes laughably fun. It's, yeah. It that's does, that's we, where we're at now. We're at the laughably fun period of this is still going on. We're, Fucking hell. We're getting there. We're getting there. We are on the 15th of January, 1996 for Nitro this week. Uh, the 20th episode of Nitro. Oh, happy birthday. Um... <laughs> The box, uh, the UK box office seven is still number one. Yeah, makes sense. What's in the box? Uh, it's, 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 a, it's, a Spoiler. it's been around long enough. <laughs> US box office is twelve monkeys still. Terry Gilliam cut. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Earth song Michael Jackson still top. Of course, of the UK charts. Mariah Carey one sweet day still top of the US charts. When is Mariah gonna leave? She's never leaving. <laughs> She's never is Mariah leave. still top of the charts? Yes. For fuck's sake. She lives there. Um, this week, Detroit center Steve Yzerman scored his 500th career NHL goal as I the Red Wings say, beat Colorado. I genuinely thought you were going to say Detroit Velvet Smooth. It's like DBS <laughs> from, from Trailer Park Boys there. I was like, what? Sadly not, no. <laughs> Bit of NHL news for you there. Also this week, David Bowie, Gladys Knight, Pink Floyd, Velvet Underground, and Tom Donahue join the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Which is bullshit, by the way. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is bullshit. Why is it bullshit? Uh, it, it's a panel. It, it's it's not what it shows itself as. Like mm. I think that it should be more like a museum rather than this big kind of fucking Oscars level ceremony where you've got to wine and dine and petition to get in. Where it's like, I mean, fuck. When Dolly Parton was like, I don't want to go in, and they insisted on it and then put her in anyway. It's like she said she doesn't want to go in. Don't put her in. Like, because she knew the system was a little bit nonsense. But it, I don't know what her reasoning was, but it, it's been kind of like, um, if you just do some digging on it, there's a lot of like opinions of uh, musicians out there on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I, I would love to see it, like for sure. Like it's still something I, I would love to see, but I, I just don't. It's kind of like the Oscars, right? Like you, like my favorite ever Oscars, um, 
what do you call it? Like campaign, because you have to campaign if you're nominated. You've got to wine and dine. You've got to be all nice. You've got to give them reasons why you should win and Cup why you're special. And uh, yeah. David Lynch just uh, for, I think it was Inland Empire, he just hired a full cow, just a black and white cow, this bog standard cow, uh, and had a big sign that just said, like, uh, for your uh, whatever the word was. For your consideration. For your consideration, Laura Dern, best actress. And it was just him sat in a director's chair smoking next to a cow. <laughs> and he's already the best anyway, but that was like the moment where it was like, that's perfect. Because Mo- like, was it Monique? Um, for a performance in Precious, she won Best Supporting Actress, I think. Uh, she didn't campaign and her career suffered horribly and she was almost like blackballed after it. Because she didn't wine and dine the people. Because together. you don't kiss enough ass, I guess. And it, it's like, it, it's all this big rigged thing anyway. The Oscars are, you know, falling in popularity every year until Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, at which point, you know, that did big numbers for them. But I, I think that they kind of, it's almost like watching the fall of E3 but slower. Like the Oscars just don't matter. Like I used to stay up and watch them. They just don't care anymore. When do you think that changed? I don't know. I I don't know if it's just a generational thing. I don't know if there's kids right now who like avidly watch the Oscars who will drop off, but it was sort of, I guess maybe it was when, you know, all of our actors growing up that were like the big deals, the Brad Pitts, you know, of the world, the Johnny Depps and everything that were in constant films that were you know getting awards and stuff uh all those kind of major stars of the 90s after sort of you know the early 2000s with the oceans movies and everything it just sort of i don't I, the interest wasn't there and i don't know if it's just because there was just newer faces and i was like yes, mm. yeah but at the same time I'm, I'm a big fan of film and uh i, I you know I, I still put more stock in the palm door even though it's usually a bit of a you know, as most people would see it, a bit of a wanky film that will win it. But the yeah. Palm Door, like, to me, is just... You I resonate love... more with the Palm Door than you do the Yeah, Oscars. but I, I think it's because the Palm Door is like... Again, it's another sort of... It's it's a committee that chooses it, but it's the whole festival aspect of it. I think if the Oscars was more like a big festival, then it would be awesome. Yeah. Like, if you had big premieres going on and everything. That's a good it, shout, yeah. Like, that would be a way to kind of freshen it up. But I, I don't know. I just don't... I don't know what it is. I Feels don't really more care like about the Oscars a, anymore. Um, like, it's just... Like I say, it's just glad... A glad, not a glad handing, whereas the Palm Yeah, and it's all just like... for the community to come together. Yeah, a little bit. But it's the same with, like, the Berlinale. Like, any any sort of film festival award, I mm. always kind Cam. of take a little bit more of... Yeah, the well, Palm Doors can. Oh. Uh, so, if, if you go to, like, any festival, anything that wins a big one at like an indie festival it's always like oh that's going to be like a huge film and there's a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement because of the festival feeling mm. and i'll tell you now there's nothing like watching a film in a room with 2000 people it's surreal it's genuinely surreal like when i was lucky enough to go to can it's just there's nothing like it you just sat in a room with a concert's worth of people watching a film and applauding and cheering or booing and watching a film get booed mercilessly <sighs> Oh man! Were you was, there when a film got booed? Uh, twice, yeah. So what uh, films got booed? There was a film called Marguerite and Julienne, which was touted as I think it was the the film that Jean Luc Godard never shot, and Jean Luc Godard was a French new wave director, and they were kind of the first that would uh, do swears. They were the first that would kind of break the rules about how you show men and women in bed. Mm. They were the first to kind of do dirty in jokes and stuff, and they pushed boundaries, and and it was all very like documentary style esque, where you know they just went out with kit and shot with minimal crews and did as best as they could. Yeah. Uh, but they went on to be like pioneering filmmakers and Goddard especially, or it might have been Truffaut. That was it. I think it was the film that Truffaut never shot. And uh, it, it, it was just terrible. 
it was this big weird adventure about like incest and the entire crowd was just like booing it mercilessly and then we saw Gus Van Sant's Sea of Trees which we were all really excited for there was a lot of buzz for it it like built and built and built and then there's a point in the film because the whole thing is like this guy uh, travels to the Sea of Trees in Japan to take his own life uh, but as he's in the process of you know he's about to do it uh, he comes across somebody that needs help and doesn't want to be there anymore and needs to get out so he's like I'm going to help you get out but they're lost and so the whole premise is this like, oh God, he's going to like find a meaning in life again. It's going to be incredible. And then about three quarters of the way through the film, it teases this really basic cheesy ending and everybody goes, oh, imagine. And then it just does the really cheesy ending and it just stopped. Everybody went quiet. And then just this one French bloke at the back just stood up and screamed, egotist. And then it just rained, just booze, people throwing the press papers and laughing at it and stuff. It was amazing. Jeez. It was genuinely amazing because we're, we're just sat in it just like, what? Wow. And then like everybody's booing. So you're like, yeah, boo. Yeah, it's it. Mob mentality, <laughs> isn't it? But Go with at, the, at the same time, it was a fantastic film to that point. And then it was just like, ugh. They just took a real shit ending. Yeah, just a really shit easy way out on it. And it was like, oh, it, you could have been so much more mm. if you just stuck with it. But wow. yeah, there's nothing quite like watching a film get booed. It's, That's amazing. It's amazing. Never had the pleasure. <laughs> and then the next morning, because it was like an 11 o'clock screening, I think. Maybe we got about, maybe we got about midnight, actually. Uh, but the next morning, first on the block at like 7.30 or 8 a.m. at the press junket, was Gus Van Sant, Matthew McConaughey, Ken Watanabe, the entire cast of Sea of Trees and the director. And then it was just like, right, the, the presses were often quite full for bigger names, mm. uh, but this place was rammed. It was just people waiting to just be like, so, uh, yeah, you film. And just and it got to a point where Matthew McConaughey kind of had to step in and be like, look, can we stop? <laughs> and wow. let's just talk about He's this instead. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so what did they, did they, can you remember what they said? In reaction to people going, your film is shit. I can't quite remember, but nah. it, it's just sort of, you've got to give very general answers because you're, you're playing with other people's money when you're making a film. So quite often you'll see a film at a festival. Like I saw a, a completely uncut version of Gaspar Noe's Love, uh, which is a very, very uh, explicit film featuring a lot of unsimulated sex. It, it's, it's If you've ever seen a Gaspar Noe film, you know what he's like. But... Um, saw a, a, a version of that and then that got cut down for release. Uh, so often if a film doesn't go well, there'll be changes made to it before it goes to general release. Right. But I've never seen Sea of Trees again to know if there's been any changes. Right, whether or not they did, whether they added a, a new ending. Fun one, I, I sat and watched Love next to um, a woman from, I think it was like the Michigan Christian Press. And there were about three or four walkouts because you do get walkouts when people are like, nah, this isn't like art. And they leave uh, and she sat like a trooper through the whole thing and it was uncomfortable. It was like 9 a.m. on like a Wednesday and it was just very it was like watching a two-hour porno Jeez. and it was very uncomfortable and she's just sat there just just watching it and just writing up her notes and i was like bless you genuinely bless you i oh. thought you would have walked out you could tell that she was struggling with no it, no she she, like... she she sat and she diligently did her job as a film critic and it was it was like you know you, you do see people leave but she didn't she stuck at she's it like, no my job and is to like, critique the film i'm yeah. gonna stay here you know, if Plus, you, it's like probably the only chance it got to have been seen like publicly uh, like that, uncut. So there is something to be said for the brave people that when things when they're what they're watching is really shit, they continue on. I will stress it wasn't a shit film. It was just very, okay. very explicit. <laughs> very when so explicit. When it's something that doesn't really the, look, the logo was the, the poster was two mouths kissing. 
like big old full on Frenchy tongue kissing. Uh, and then just the word love in a drippy white um, font, just to kind of yeah, set the tone there. That would have kind of said everything it needed I to be I saw said. a lot of, um, let's say, omissions over that hour oh. and a half. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> they they, they seen it through to the end. Yeah. Don't blame them. Don't yeah. blame them. <laughs> a lot of omissions coming out of Nitro this week. <laughs> From the writing desk of Nitro. Uh, we're going to talk about this week's episode of Nitro very shortly from January the 15th, 1996. Uh, not those kind of emissions. So. Yeah. Not sadly. less of that. A bit more metaphorical emissions. You mean I'm else. not going to get to see Hulk Hogan wank off. When's it going to happen, Tom? You <laughs> promised me. Well, Bischoff, Bischoff won't be wanking on about WWF this week. No. Did you notice that when you watched this episode? There was yes. a glaring omission yeah. from Bischoff. They just tried to talk about Miami as much as they could instead. And talk about the, how good WCW is rather than how shite WWF and Obviously, is. they're building up to clash so there's a lot of talk mm. about that the word is according to dave Meltzer, the wrestling observer from this week is that bischoff has made an about face on nitro in response to criticism made from the previous week of knocking the wwf in a way of getting over wcw and rightfully so because last week he was unbearable yeah and I th- and, and he's reacting in the way because they've been digging on wwf since the very beginning yeah. wwf started firing back with billionaire ted and then Bischoff has gone, well, there's shit and we're great. And yeah, he's, he's the guy with the, the, he's the meme with the, the guy with the stick and the bike. Yes. Uh, and he's like, why would you do this? Like, it, it, it's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's fully guilty of it. And uh, it, just to be honest, it gets pathetic, man. It gets really mm. pathetic. It, it just continues the more it comes up and the more it happens. It's like, why are you talking about him? If they're so insignificant, don't bring them up. And I think he's probably had a little word with somebody and he's probably been told, look, okay, you were giving it them. They've given it back. Now yeah, move on. Let's move don't on. Give, it doesn't go tit for tat for tit. Yeah. It's tit for tat. And then there you go. You've done it. I don't know where we are with Billionaire Ted yet, whether that's concluded. Uh, no, you, we've got a couple more weeks of Billionaire Ted yet. Oh, he's going to be biting barely, his tongue so barely hard. Barely getting into it. <laughs> at, at, this point, at this point, I think maybe we've had our second or third Billionaire Ted skit. Oh. And there's plenty. We haven't even got to so Larry Fling. I was going to say, has Ted, uh, has Ted done his press conference yet? Yeah. I think that's next week. Right, yeah. The so press conference is the one that, that changes attitudes a little bit toward it because it's all a bit laughable for WCW and Ted at the minute. Mm. And then that's the one that kind of goes just a tad too far. Yes, it does. And then from there, it kind of descends to Vince eventually forcing it onto a pre-show to get around a TV network telling him off. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what they do, with, uh, which we'll hear more about on the Classic Raw review on Monday. Yeah. We'll talk more about it there. Uh, but Bischoff, less mudslinging from him this week. Um, a new WCW remit has come come into play this week. Okay. Uh, the Observer says, all the wrestlers now have to leave their championships with company officials <laughs> after television tapings. <laughs> Why do you think oh, that is, Sam? Who lost the fucking belt? Nobody lost the belt. Uh, this is because because they had Medusa dump the WC, WWF women's oh, title really? on the screen. This is they're, a little bit late. They're terrified that oh, someone's going to go do that on another show. It's so, a bit late. Surely bit... you'd bring that edict in straight away. Maybe they did, but maybe Dave only just caught Oh, me, my God. I mean, it makes sense. But at the same time, you know, you want your champion to have a belt. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's it's... They just bring them all to telly. And when you start go. doing things like that, you've got to expect something back in return. So you're going to, yeah, maybe want to lock that off uh, and, and keep those belts in a flight case uh, so they can't get lost. Yeah, and, I think so. Because yeah. it's interesting how like all the wrestlers carry the titles with them everywhere now. You, like, yeah, well, I, I think it's an important thing. But now we're at a point where the replicas are so good that, you know, you I, I don't know if we even still have. Because mm. the, 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 the crack used to be with WWE that there were TV belts and there were road belts. 
And so you turn up to TV and that's the one with all the actual gems in it, like the mm-hmm. actual stones. And it looks so glittery and everything. And then, you know, they go backstage, they swap it for the one in their case. And that's the one they take out on the road with them. And that's just, you know, like a, a road belt. Yeah. That goes that to house sense. shows. And if you lose that one, it sucks because it's still a few grand or whatever. It's not quite a replica level. Mm. Uh, it's a little bit better, but like it sucks, but you've not lost the actual belt. Yeah. So like the, but until WWE get rid of the Velcro. Oh, the, the Velcro does annoy me, especially when it's like I, I've seen so many people talk about it. So I know it's easier to take on and 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 take. I know we get the logistics of it, on, but, but it, it it just looks so childish. It's shit. It's shit. It is. It looks like dog shit. It's like the the press buttons, man. There's press buttons. Buttons are fine. There's, there's not. They're annoying. Like especially when you get a new belt, press buttons can be really hard to like. You've got to properly like and like thumb them on. But like it's. The thing I seem to recall is, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure there's an episode of NXT UK where it was during the no crowd era. Yeah. And it was so quiet, you could hear. <laughs> it, it just sounds like crap. It's, it's like somebody awesome. coming to a bar and, and opening a Velcro wallet. It's, it's just nah. Like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? I don't trust anybody oh, with a Velcro wallet. <laughs> one thing I did hear last night, it was surreal. There was some kid who clearly just turned 18. I was at the pub with my mate. And uh, this kid had clearly just turned 18. Two alcoholic and he was there drinks, with his mates, please. And he literally walked up to the bar ahead of me and he went, can I just get a pint of beer, please? And the guy just looked at him like, <laughs> there's like 14 taps. And he's like, just a beer? He's like, yeah, any beer? Yeah. Carlin? And the kid went, oh, yeah, Carlin. And I was like, oh, you uh, poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Starting you off way wrong here. That's, that's a, there's, a, there's a multiverse rip there. Yeah, where multiple like you're at Leeds Festival wrong. and it's the only cold thing. Go for it. But Jesus Christ, oh, no, bless not him, Carlin. 18. So, but yeah, his eyes, he There was Heineken sat there, man. There was Heineken. You should have gone up to him and gone. Pale. I right. wasn't in any position. He was having the time of his life. <laughs> Can I have a beer, please? He was so excited, bless him. It was Aww. just like him and his mates clearly on their first like pub trip. And it was just like, yeah. One of my pulled out his ID and everything. God love him. I always <laughs> remember my mate, Dr. Sam, who was the cleverest one of all of us. So this story is yeah. funny. Um, we went for a beers, probably, probably 19 maybe. Mm. And one day I went to our local and he went, I'm going to try a bitter. I'm like, good for you. Yeah. And he ordered a pint of bitter and he drank a bit of it and no lie, he took a sip and went, it's quite bitter. <laughs> That's why it's called bitter. bitter. Like, the clue's in the name. Yeah, I like a good I'll bitter. I'll have a pint of fucking disgusting, please. Like a good bitter. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about, uh, whenever I walk in anywhere now and I see Camden, like Camden Pale is just oh, my, my good. Yeah, it? I love that. But uh, it's more the glasses. I just like the Camden glasses. Those big mm. fat, they look just nice big squat pint glasses. They're lush. But uh, Them or the ones with the with the handle on? Uh, old oh, old ones. like bubble, bubble yeah. like the the Begby pint. Love the, them. Yeah, Begby I, I um, the, my favorite drink. Nothing can touch it though. Like nothing comes close to Wylam Jakehead. No. Wylam Jakehead is the greatest alcoholic tipple ever invented. Nice. I will happily drink that and that only because you only need like three and you are gone. So like, <laughs> I'd, if it was like you can only drink one thing for the rest of it, Jakehead. <laughs> just give me Jake head keep them coming just keep uh, keep them it's coming. deceivingly light for how strong it is it's brutal if you haven't had a good tea it, it is bad oh oh god yeah, yeah. if you if you if you're getting if into you're the drinking ever unfortunate game, enough to be at the Clooney with me it, it turns into just like oh, just have another Jake head yeah. just have another Jake if you're going for a drink with Sam have a good tea beforehand yeah because it gets a bit IPA I'm working heavy. on it I'm working on <laughs> I'm it I'm working on it <laughs> um yeah I, I tend to like there's a lovely little IPA place that's just opened up around the corner from us 
Yeah. And it's like, it's good to, you know, if you go for one before tea, just make sure it's like one, maybe two. Yeah. Because the, the night gets I like that out there, somebody's going to be like, fucking IPAs, fucking beer wankers. <laughs> <laughs> my biggest shame, and I hate it. It was not really my biggest shame, but the biggest shame. It was that uh, mm and Glug in town oh, yeah, closed down. Gone, it, it? Like, they they had such rotten luck with... Mm. Um, like their their landlord, but they finally moved out of the Granger market because like the, they weren't allowed to be open on certain days. I think like Sundays the market doesn't open or whatever. And they had like the best beer selection. They had the best ingredients. It we was always awesome. Uh, and then yeah, they moved out to like the the front of like the Granger market. And then yeah, their landlords. I remember like reading the little note they left on the door. It was like they just jacked the rent up like to ridiculous levels and kind of drove them out. And it's like that was the best beer shop this side of Rehills. Now I've got to go all the way over to Jesmond if I want some fancy. It's just, or if I want to get, you know, Father's Day presents or whatever. There's a lot of, places, <laughs> a lot of shops doing that, isn't there? Where they just yeah. jack up the rent so much that people can't afford well, it. Well, it's because they, I, think, I guess the real estate's worth so much to them that if they can get yeah. a big brand in that'll pay it, they'll just do it. And it's just unscrupulous and awful. Unscrupulous and, yeah, is the word. Landlords, um, bastards. I'll tell you who I sit on a landlord to sort them out. Who? Dan Severin. Dan Severin. <laughs> Dan Severin, who was at the WCW offices just a few days before this episode of Nitro. Offered oh. no specific role or concrete amount of money, but WCW are interested in bringing in I'm sure the they beast. are. I'm sure they are, but they're going to need <laughs> a little bit more than just, Dan, do you want to come in? <laughs> it's going to have to be, Dan, do you want to come in for X amount of money for X dates? But Dan Severin's a pretty... Uh, He's a pretty straightforward guy, it seems. Yeah, he's, he's the type of guy, guy you just don't mess around. You just kind of go, well, we really want you for this angle, and we'll do this over this many weeks, and then if you want to come back, we can work something out. But if not, then grand. Yeah. Yeah. They're working, <laughs> and I think they want to work something out with our grey-shirted wonder that is the beast dancer. Everyone. Yeah, and what a moustache. Artie's, Artie's got a hell of a moustache. What a moustache. He's amazing. He's, you know, Magnum TA and him, best moustaches in wrestling. Yeah. Sorry, nobody else counts. <laughs> Don't even at me. Should we end before we get into the episode of Night Show? Should we end on a bit of Anoki news? Yeah, go on. We love it of Anoki news. Antonio Anoki held a press conference on the 11th of January in LA. Changed the date of his planned multi-promotional show to the 18th of May. No site announced, but the LA Sports Arena and even the Coliseum are potential sites. The press conference was an hour and 40, mainly of the, 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 the conference mainly contained Enoki showing tapes of Enoki. Well, <laughs> yeah. How, great how else are you going to know how awesome he is? How else are you gonna know? <laughs> I know, but I love the fact that it's like you ever have an Oki. You ever details. seen the picture of Hulk Hogan's wedding, where you've got like an Oki and Mrs. Anoki, You've got Vince and Linda. You've just got like a who's who of wrestling couples. But Anoki's just kind of sat on his own, just tall as, and that Vince <laughs> is just like a row in front of him. And it's like just really weird. I want to know what sort of conversations were going on that day. That would have been a weird old day. <laughs> uh, the only media covering the event was Japanese and Spanish language. Anoki said that it would be he'd be inviting EM. MLL, AAA, yep. All Japan, New Japan, WWF, and WCW to participate said this wasn't a political deal. There'd be no interpromotional matches. They'd just bring people to have matches on the show. Yeah, like an exhibition. Yeah. Anoki didn't announce any of the matches or his opponent, although Anoki had approached Vader about headlining the show against him. Which? Anoki versus Vader. Uh, I think they have a really famous match in 96, don't they? Anoki and Vader? I believe so. It might yeah. be on this show. 
Um, Antonio Pena, KGB, and Jesse Hernandez were also there as well. Pena indicated that the AAA match on the show would be an eight-man barbed wire match. Of course it would, Pena, you madman. Uh, <laughs> and apparently- I, just, I just love that you said EMLL. I often forget it was EMLL. Yeah, like, before CMLL. Oh, yeah. But uh, I love the fact that from that announcement of being an eight-man barbed wire match, the next thing they announced at the press conference was, uh, we've been sponsored by Nintendo and Toys R Us. <laughs> <laughs> Not for long. Uh, there's a magical place <laughs> with barbed wire there. <laughs> Blood in the millions, all under one roof. Somebody just dressed up, Anoki dressed up as Jeffrey the entire time. <laughs> He's certainly tall enough to make it work. Jeffrey's going to get stretched by Anoki. <laughs> I'm intrigued to see how this pans out. I think that I think this show does happen. There is yeah. a show that happens, but not in the sadly without like the interpromotional involvement that we're hoping. Yeah, but something does happen. Well, you know, we we I don't know if it's happened yet. There's, there's like the there are World Wrestling Peace Summits, I believe yeah. they're called, and you know there there are multi promotional matches uh, on certain cards where it, it is kind of like a nice everybody's coming together. Uh, it's happened again over the years. I think after the the earthquake in Japan, uh, sorry, the tsunami and earthquake in Japan, um, the there was like a big multi promotional show which mm. was like all about raising money and funds and stuff. And it's just nice whenever the companies kind of put aside anything that may be going on between them in the past and they all just kind of get on one page. They all get together. And just That's why out. I've been enjoying New Japan's 50th. Like, it's, uh, yeah. It's, you're, you're seeing, like, people coming together and just going, ah, it's only wrestling. Let's yeah. hang out together. Yeah. It's nice to see. Anyway, to Nitro, January the 15th. We are in Miami, Florida. Bischoff, Mongo, and Heenan are ringside. We are stuck in a never-ending hellscape. Yeah. The WCW world title is on the line in our main event. Ric Flair will face Sting. In a match with lots of history. They do. Yeah. Hogan will face a member of the Dungeon of Doom tonight as well. Hey. Plus, we'll see the Taskmaster and Hugh Morris face Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman. Plus, Randy Savage faces Lex Luger again. We are stuck in a never-ending hellscape. Yeah. And in fact, Savage and Luger gets us started. Yeah, I just wrote here, Lex Luger versus Macho Man. To kick off your show, Lex Luger versus Randy Savage. Are you on meth? <laughs> What are they thinking? <laughs> what was wrestling thinking? What happened to the old car crash mentality? Well, they've changed their minds. They don't want a car crash. Well, time. they have a car crash. They have a fucking massive car crash, but not the type of one they want. It's two golf buggies colliding. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a gentle shunt. <laughs> it's a, we're going to start like with a, a muffled, gentle shunt. A muffled exchange of details. <laughs> <laughs> Heenan informs us that Jimmy Hart isn't out with Lex Luger tonight because he's having a backdoors meeting with Ric Flair and will accompany him to ringside tonight. <laughs> Fuck's sake. What? Um, this is actually a plot point that plays into later. Very you could, subtly. Yeah, you could say that. You mm. could definitely say that if you want to jump through the nine or ten hoops to get there. Do my best here. Yeah. Savage goes for Luger before the bell starts. Luger takes a clumsy powder out of the ring. But then Luger, the clever man, throws a chair into the ring, which Savage grabs. And this leaves him open to a Luger sucker punch. I enjoy that Luger then poses and he shouts, look at this. And I thought he actually said, Luger this. And then I was like, how good would it have been if they just made that part of his gimmick? If they made Luger a verb. Yeah. Like Google and Argos. Or if he just, every time he went to say, look at, he said, Luger. <laughs> Luger and me. And they just forced him to do it. It'd be great. <laughs> I'm going to go and Luger over my contract. Uh, Luger's strategy is basically not to let Savage in the ring to start the match. Savage has still got a taped up arm, of course, that of definitely course. wasn't injured. He's still definitely his, not injured. His arm is still taped. He's fine. We're stuck in a never-ending no, house. Dave was wrong. He's grand. <laughs> Poor Just Savage. don't let him fall on it. Don't stretch it. Don't touch it. They're keeping Savage working. 
Just so they don't prove Dave wrong. Yeah. Oh, At what God. point does it become a completely futile effort? Because I think yeah. it's week one. Let's, let's Savage have a I week. I think it's just bringing it up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Bless him. Anyway, Savage decides to drag Luger out of the ring and they have a brawl around it instead. Savage finally gets into the ring, lays an axe handle on Luger for a two. They go back and forth from here with a rather punchy, kicky affair. Uh, Savage goes for an elbow, but Luger moves out of the way. Wide open for a torture rack. Savage's arm drops three times, and Luger wins. Yeah, and then Luger refuses to release the torture rack initially before slamming him down. Yeah. So Luger really trying to get uh, commentary selling, like he's really trying to get every last bit of energy out of Savage. This threw me, and I was thinking, like, why is this? And I realized why. It was a clean finish. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh! It has been about five straight months so far of just... Bollocks. Dirty finishes and bollocks. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's a that's a nice surprise. <laughs> this is odd. But Luger, what is yeah. this feeling? But Luger going over Savage here. I don't know. Is that, are, we, are we sort of writing Savage out of... Savage is kind of... I don't know what it is. Like, he he's losing his luster by the second ever mm. since the Hulk Hogan situation. Um, and it, it, it's sad because, you know, it's, it's Macho Man Randy Savage. And yeah, he probably needs some time away because, Jesus, that arm. But, uh... You've still got to make Luger look strong. That's the thing. Like, we all kind of laugh and joke about Luger being a bit shit because, you know, look at it. Uh, but at the same... Sorry, Luger did it. Luger did uh, it. But, <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, he still has to be a credible threat. Look at the size of the guy. Like, mm. he's still going to be a featured player even though the storyline he's in right now is mired in shit. You still need him to be able to look like a credible threat. At times, yeah. you still need him to be able to pick up these shock victories. Just to remind you that he is Lex fucking Luger uh, and he is capable of this. Like, look at the size of him. So I think that... You know, it's it's just one of those things. Randy is working hurt commentary arc, you know, going off about his arms still. So it's not like he's facing a hundred percent macho man and he managed to get a lucky roll out the way. It wasn't quite like a it wasn't a definitive sort of he's just beating him down for ten straight minutes and then put his foot on his chest. Yeah. It was a bit back and forth. Luger did have to resort to, you know, throwing things in and everything, but uh he still looks like a credible threat here. Yeah, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Later on Will he will he look like a credible flight? We'll find out. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Up next is the Dungeon of Doom versus the Horseman. Or is it? No, it's just tunnel time. Oh, tunnel time. The tunnel of doom. So the Taskmaster leads out Hugh Morris and Jimmy Hart along with the new US champion, the One Man Gang, who has not been referenced on this show in a long time. No, and they just kind of talk about how he's got the belt. Yeah. And then they mention it and don't say anything else. And he just stands in the ring going, <laughs> I have a waving the belt around a bit. He stands there just a couple of inches shorter than the Giants. Yeah. So uh, they stand him just a bit further across the ring from him. Just, yeah. you know, that extra bit of distance sideways that does nothing. Giants out there, Zodiac's out there, and then bringing up the rear is Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit, and Brian. It's the bloody Hillman. horse boys. It's the bloody horse boys. What are the horse boys doing here? Yeah. This oh, is... is it? Is it the most bullshit thing I've seen on TV in quite some time? <laughs> I can't believe this segment. I completely. I, it, it, it was lost on me. So Taskmaster drags Mean Gene to the ring because you can't talk without holding the conch. Yeah, Mean Gene's been uh, <laughs> he's been relocated to like a Quetcher pop up tent. Uh, by the timekeeper this week. He's no longer on the ramp. Uh, but yeah, they drag him in the ring and uh, then they proceed to just fucking cancel months of booking. Yeah, that's, you've, you've nailed it. Yep. So uh, Mean Gene <laughs> says, lads, what the fuck? Uh, Arn what says, are you doing here? And then Arn goes, it's a business meeting. And I know that we have all of our business meetings in front of 10,000 people. Yes, we certainly what the, do. What the fuck? <laughs> Uh, what I love here is Arn says, like, he and Kevin Sullivan... to backstage... I don't know what... The, you're not allowed why? to do anything behind the it's scenes. It's ridiculous. Maybe they just haven't tidied up backstage. You, I know it's, you could have I know it's least, like when we have visitors in our house and the spare room's a mess. I just shut the front... I just shut the spare room The door. spare room becomes the Monica cupboard, yeah. <laughs> uh, I... It, it's more like you could have shown just something, because they alluded to it. They alluded to, you know, Jimmy Hart was in there having a meeting with Flair, and it's all this kind of backdoor dealings, and there's something sus going on. But you think you would have just shown, like, a locker room door with a couple of people going into it, and they're like, whoa, what's happening? Because the amount of times we just linger on the WCW logo, or linger on a crowd shot, we just go back to Bischoff going, oh, oh action's coming up, don't miss it! You don't need that, because no. he's doing that anyway at the start and end of every match. So you, you hear him go, ah, oh, there's more action coming up. And then you got an ad break and it comes back and he goes, there's more action coming up. And then it cuts to the ring for the match. Well, there's a fear that if they show something backstage, people just tune out. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is because, I mean, WWE had been doing backstage stuff since for, for ages. Yeah, exactly. Fucking over a decade at this point. Uh, but Arn basically says here, he says he and Kevin Sullivan had a meeting at the Mines. And he says about how there's financial gain and respect in wrestling. And with the Dungeon of Doom, there's respect. But a match between these two, there's no financial gain. Everybody loses. Do you, do you understand what I mean, Gene? And Gene goes, no. It's... <laughs> he explains the whole thing. He goes, do you get what we're saying, Mean Gene? And Mean Gene goes, no, don't really. It's just... And Mean Gene was all of us at that point. It's bullshit. Like, <laughs> you, you've built to this thing. You've got the Dungeon of Doom. You keep wheeling them out instead of just disbanding the fuckers and giving yeah. Sullivan, like, a small tag team to manage because give him that. Sullivan with a couple of people or just put him with the giant. Just Sullivan and the giant. Take everybody else out of the picture because they're all just sort of dead weight anyway in that stable. They'll probably be able to do more outside of it. But instead, they just choose to go, well, well, you know, we're, we're both good teams, aren't we, Arn? And Arn goes, yeah, we're both good teams. Let's not fight. Let's just cancel all the booking we built up to and 
shit on everything moving <laughs> forward and take it sideways. Dungeon of Doom, who are you going to go fuck with next? Is it Sting? It's probably going to be Sting. Yeah. Oh, well, that is a surprise. Yeah, so this is, <laughs> this is the, the, ta- the, the horseman and the, the Dungeon of Doom coming to an agreement <laughs> over their mutual enemies. And, uh, and this is the Dungeon of Doom lending the horseman the giant. It's, or no, Ric Flair lending Ric Flair the giant for Clash of Champions. It's, it's Kevin Sullivan polishing the bollocks of Arn and Flair. Yes, that's what that's this it. is. Benoit doesn't get a single mention. No. But, but Pillman but does. Heenan gives him a nod on commentary, yeah. which we'll get to in a bit. Um, Taskmaster puts over Flair, puts over Arn as the enforcer and the guardian. Uh, however, he has nothing nice to say about Pillman, referring to him as this punk, saying he's not horseman material. Arn Anderson steps in to defend Pillman and says, look, we're not afraid of you, but we do respect you. To which Pillman lights up going, do you hear that? And we then, don't fear anybody! And, and Arn just slaps the shit out of yeah. him. Arn, you slap. It's super effective. <laughs> like, uh, that bit I remember. That's the only bit yeah, from this. I think they use it in the, in the Brian Pillman documentary. You know, I, I agree completely. Like, Pillman is amazing in The Horseman, but he's not. Like, it's, it's why this story works really well. Like, the not this whole mire of fucking Dungeon of Doom and, and Horseman, but Horseman and Pillman. Mm. It's Pillman's repeatedly gone too far. And there's there is a level of honor to being a horseman, even though you are a lying, dirty, cheating, you know, you do anything underhanded to get what you need to get. There's still a level of respect there. There's There's still a level of honor in being a horseman. You don't just go like, you know, trying to paralyze your opponents. You don't just go in and run your mouth. There's a certain coolness that comes with it. And Pillman's just sort of, he's too explosive. And Mm. it's the problem that they've been building up and building up and building up. And so this is it starting to come to fruition. But watching Pillman's face change is just something magical. It's great. Because he goes from rabid, like, junkyard uh, Rottweiler, just barking and barking to just, like, staring a laser hole of death through on. Brilliant. And it's just like, how dare you? Like, oh. Anderson, Anderson shouts him down and then immediately assures Sullivan that these emotional outbursts won't happen again yeah. if they form a pact. And they do. Pillman looks irate. Benoit, and Heenan points this out, Chris Benoit has been staring at Anderson the whole time. Yeah. Really subtle little bit there that again suggests that, you know, maybe Benoit. I love not... you, on. <laughs> Did you reckon it's either I love you or I don't trust you? Maybe there's a little divide in the. Well, how it, the it's one of those things where I don't I don't get how anybody was able to join the Horsemen in later days because how how can you possibly trust the dirtiest player in yeah. the game and the best the best like point guard that the dirtiest player in the game has in Arn Anderson? If they invited me to be in the Horsemen, I'd say no. I don't trust you. <laughs> No, thank you. Can you guarantee me at least a month of no attacks on me? <laughs> yeah. And then I'd run off to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with this bit, not only do we see the Horseman and the Dungeon Doom kind of form like a, a like a like a babysitter's club. Yeah. Um, but we're sowing the seeds for an incredible bit of Brian Pillman business. Yeah. Uh, that will play and out in about two weeks' time. This is it. it it's it's just going to build and build until we get there. But oh, Pillman, man. One. Pillman. So no Dungeon of Doom versus Horseman. No. So we have a standby. We don't have to watch. We don't have to watch Hugh Morris. So. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have a standby match though, and it's Public Enemy versus American Males. Hands in the fucking air, Tom. Hands in the fucking air. You can't see this if you're not on Patreon. <laughs> Fucking Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock. First they're here. Time After appearing. being snowed in, they're here. <laughs> but the only thing is, they're facing off against the American males, and it's sort of we're at the point where, um, 
You know, it, it's like choosing which child you'd save in a fire. I don't want either of these teams to lose. I don't want. I, I don't save. I, I don't want to save either of them. <laughs> I'm just going to quietly walk away from the burning building. I'm going to quietly put my hands down. Are you really? On the table. You can keep them up if you want. Um, naughty by nature, <laughs> violent by decision, says the uh, the jerseys worn by the public yep. enemy. American males come out. We cut to the crowd where there's a woman who looks like a 30-something ma'am taking her shawl off and exposing her shoulder to the delight of the American males theme. <laughs> She's like I a, will say, like a little, like a little just to jump crowd. ahead a bit like in the show, uh, when Hogan eventually makes his entrance later on in the show, mm. there is this old bloke with clearly his son or grandson. Yeah. And he's like clutching him and he's got like the Hulk stuff on and he's loving it. The only thing he's missing is like a rifle. It will be the most American thing <laughs> you've ever seen. It's just like, he's just sat there like lost in Hulkamania. So it's surreal. He's like shaking the child with energy. <laughs> Look, nuts. kid, that's my boy, my hero. Hulk Hogan. But yeah, American males. Yeah, and they dominate the public enemy. They do, because when you see them coming, you better run for cover. They wish they had. Girls, you them. don't need a weekend lover. That girl didn't need <sighs> a weekend lover. <laughs> American males. That girl was not thinking about a weekend lover when she showed off her shoulder, exposing it, her collarbone. Well, listen here. Listen here, collarbone exposer. Mm. If they want to talk to you, you better not listen. <laughs> You might wind up in critical condition. The, the lyrics make no sense. Who are they addressing? You. you better not listen. Because it's like, when you see him cover, you, uh, you, you see him coming, you better run for cover. Yeah. Girls, you don't need a weekend lover, American males. Okay. So that's already disturbing. And then the lyrics go on to say, if they want to talk to you, you better not listen. You might wind up in critical condition. Ha ha, American males. So if they go, excuse me, I have to ignore them. Or is it like... Will that not get them more is this, angry? Is this like talking to the, the boyfriends of girls that are trying to chat up in the bar? Is that what the lyrics are aimed at? Oh. All I was thinking through this is like American males are the... Like they are the blue chipper underdog babyface team. So the lyrics just don't fit. They're the, they're the babyface blue chippers, but if they want to shaggy misses, you just got to let them crack off. Yeah, otherwise you'll end up in critical condition. <laughs> I just... Please don't shag my missus. <laughs> but I would, I it, it got me thinking, though. Like, do you think that uh, Buff Bagwell's like outlook on on his later career would have been different? You know, toward the end of WCW, had they just kept him in that? Because he's so good at, th at this period, anyway. With him being so young, he's mm. so good at being that underdog, young baby face. You know, you you just want to kind of. He's so explosive in the ring. Same as Scotty Riggs. They're just both so mm. explosive in the ring, like. It's like, what would have happened if you just kind of put a bubble around Bagwell mm. and kept him as that, you know, anti-NWO sort of Ooh. WCW boy? Because I think it would have gone slightly different for him. I think wow. he would have been maybe more in the title picture for sure. But ultimately, we would have lost, you know, all the beautiful heel buff, like unbearable buff. Breaking which, his neck and not really. Well, yeah. And then you've got that period. It, it, it's, yeah. Mm. Well, what we get here is American Males just just in top form here. Yeah, drop kicking Public Enemy out of the ring. Small and, ECW champ. Well, yeah, commentary uh, immediately. Like, it's a Philly street fight, guys, and it's like, get it, uh, Philly, Philly. Yeah. You know who we're referencing, but we're not going to say their name because we don't want to give them any promotion. <laughs> Philadelphia cheesesteak, anybody? That's Philly it. street fight. It's a Philly street fight, people. Philadelphia, Philly, Philadelphia. They're from ECW. They're from ECW, everybody. Philadelphia. <laughs> This is 9010 American Males. Philly barely getting a look in. It's a little bit odd, though, isn't it? Because they, like, Public Enemy are the heels in the match, yes. but they're not really heels. It's no. it's almost like they we've got a, 
a weird like quasi heel versus baby face team where they just flipped a coin uh but mm. obviously with public enemy being the new team in they've got to be the ones that are kind of the more aggressive but that's the thing they weren't even aggressive during the match no. they got battered but i mean there is a, there's the males they, there is kind of commentaries trying to sell you know a bit like the the difference in styles and american males were a lot more kind of nimble whereas public yeah. enemy are hard hitting and you know they're really hitting the ropes they're really when they are managing to get anything in it's quite impactful mm. and then it leads to it's not a great showing for them but like it, it leads to a, a fantastic moment after the match it does especially for this era of wcw it's uh so it, basically the match ends after the males dominate we see uh grunge so rocker rock punches bag on the back of the heat yeah grunge does a very slow roll up for the three mm-hmm. post-match rocco beats on bagwell they grab two tables pile them on top of one another and then Rocker Rock climbs up top and does a somersault sent on through both tables onto and Bagwell. Bagwell. Yep. And what? it's it's uh yeah, that was they you know, commentary's really selling. Oh my god, and it, it's it's a huge moment because it's it's like it's the first real slice of Philly that we've had, isn't it? Oh no, we had Sabu. We've had Sabu, but we've, we've, we've not quite had anything this ridiculous. This certainly felt I Wait, mean it's like that's a major talking point. It's the best part of the show for me, that the difference with this is that they didn't cut away like they did with Sabu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they actually stayed with this and focused on this. Yeah, if the 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 match was weird because they 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 just got battered and looked like they fluked to win, but then at the end they looked incredible with the yeah. table spot. Looked, why it's, could you not have sort of given them a bit more in the match? But I think you you needed to get at least that across at the end just to be like, hey, like this is what these guys do. So mm. get ready. You're going to see a lot more of this. And then obviously soon we're going to see them coming out as they do with tables under their arms and it's it's all yeah. just ready to go. So it it's just a big shocking full stop mm. on that that debut. On and it's like, sentence. right, here we go. After a plug for Clash of Champions, it is time for the WCW World Title Match. Not in the middle of the show. Yes. Welcome to our main of no Hogan's no. wrestling main later. Don't worry. Fuck the big gold. Okay. Fuck now. the world title. It's completely in this era. Hogan main going on not last. going on last. Hogan main going on last. And we know that this is a period in which Hogan is uh his agents are in his ears. Mm. Uh, he's starting to, you know, he he's maybe not had quite as much success as he thought externally to the business, but there is a chance that he could maybe go off and, you know, do some more. And uh, it, it's going to become like a weighing up situation for him in which he's going to be presented with something he initially wants to do, then doesn't want to do. And then when he realizes that everybody wants to do it, he's like, oh, I'll take that, brother, 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 yeah. brother, brother, brother. Uh, it is the WWE world title match it's rick flair defending against sting don't don't do sting dirty like that versus don't do sting dirty like that either this is not in 96 he's the man called stang the man called stang (laughs) that's it that fucking theme is he's quick like a cat and Girls, I just girls, love, you girls. can you can you can hear a Jimmy Hart theme a mile off and I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. I read something about Jimmy Hart today. Yeah. That that they needed backing singers for Shawn Michaels' Sexy Boy. Yeah. He couldn't get hold of anybody, so like he just had his voice replicated three times. He's a like a really well established musician. He yeah, had a chart but I didn't realize it was him doing the Sexy Boy. Ah, I know I, that. He, I think I don't know whether it's him in the original version or in the current version. Like, because he worked closely with. Uh, I was listening. It was a, an old Pritchard podcast I was listening to recently, like way back when. Uh, but it, it like he would work with Rick Derringer. 
when they bring him in to do themes like demolitions theme which is one of the reasons it's not really out there very much is rick derringer has a a big old hold on that it's why you can't get a copy of real american really out there anywhere derringer's Uh, got a yeah, so there's that, but like he would also, just because of his musical background, he didn't really take any pay for it. He just liked doing it. Mm. So like he'd come up with just ideas and then they'd get pinged off to Jim Johnston or whoever else they were using at the time, or if they were bringing in Derringer, like, well, this is kind of what we're going for. And Jimmy Hart would do all like the demos and he'd come up with some of the ideas for some of the really classic like 80s themes and mm. stuff. So like it's, I, I just, I was amazed at the fact he didn't like, he didn't really take anything for it. He just kind of did he it as a case of, it. well, it was more like if he didn't do it, they'd just pass it straight off anyway. So it was more like a labor of love thing for him. Like he just wanted to do it because he liked, like he really has a deep passion for music as a person. As a, as a, and a wrestling passion as well, or just music? Oh, I think both. I think, you know, he's somebody that, that has a, you, if you just listen to him talk, he seems to have a very deep passion for both industries. But uh, yeah, just like, I, I thought it was weirdly noble but kind of like you should have took some rights there if they'd let you Jimmy <laughs> yeah, I, yeah oh god like one of the most iconic yeah. theme musics because I mean the whole WCW album's him yeah if you, the one on Spotify I'm pretty sure it's all him like one of the, yeah it just it seems a shame that he, yeah. deserves, he deserves a big house made of glass yeah. and you know million dollars <laughs> um, Scorpion Deathlock versus the figure four baby says Mongo yes. Flair uh, just what? no before the match starts fuck the match celebrities fuck watch the wcw match. they do jim mate. belushi's gonna be coming next week on saturday or some shit <laughs> he's gonna come he's you wanna, gonna be coming you wanna, on you saturday see jim belushi anybody yeah jim belushi uh this year jim belushi starred as a voiceover in the twisted tales of felix the cat yeah gargoyles the dumb and dumber animated series and just a, just a month ago he was in jingle all the way so he is fantastic in twin Belushi's... peaks the return oh god he yeah. plays like a, an unscrupulous uh casino owner and mm. it's it's he's so fucking funny. It's it's great. Lucia's great. I mean, yeah. so like, yeah, they yeah. I mean, Bischoff goes to town talking about the celebs love WCW. Sylvester yeah. Stallone. When does Stallone pipe he, up? He, well, he's friends with Hogan. He probably watches it. Probably. Yeah. Do you watch? Do you watch it, brother? Yeah. There you go. That'll yeah. do for us. <laughs> George Foreman, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, and as you say, for WCW Saturday Night next week, Jim Belushi. And I think George Steinbrenner, they George, said as well. Yeah, he even says George <laughs> Steinbrenner. Just pops that bad boy in there as well. Uh, Flair throws Sting out of the ring to start. Sting immediately gets back in the ring, does the corner punches and a military press under Flair. These two just know what they're doing together. Yeah, they're, just, they're, they're, they're just like, you know, they've, they've been doing it so long, they can just go for it. They just it's know what they, they just They're always liquid wrestling. Oh, a light just flickered oh. in. Yeah, that's quite exciting. It's the ghost Body. of Jim Belushi. Uh, Sting goes for a standing splash. Flair gets his knees up Mother Brown. That turns the tide Wait, was it once Jim again. Belushi that died or John Belushi? I don't know. Was it John Belushi? I think it was John Belushi who died, wasn't it? Oh, I'll have to check. Well, one of the Belushis is here. <laughs> yeah, sorry for Jim Belushi <laughs> if um, <clears throat> you are indeed still with us. I'm barely not. Um, no, Belushi is still alive. Jim Belushi's still alive. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, yeah. John Belushi, uh, yeah, John Belushi tragically no passed us. away very young. <clears throat> yeah, we lost John Belushi at a very young age. From, yeah, former Saturday Night Live guy. Mm. Um, so these two just, they just know what they're doing. Uh, Sting turns the tide when he gets thrown to the corner, comes flying out with the beauty of a clothesline. Yep. Double down. As this wears on, we get bollocks from Luger. Well, not before we get Ric Flair's, <laughs> not before we get Ric Flair's entire arse being shown to the opposing side to the hard cam, of and then course. Sting hopping up and hip thrusting, which I did not misspeak. That <laughs> happened in that order. 
Flair gets his ass covered, and then Sting just stands on the spot as Flair's like kind of composing himself in the corner, just hip thrusting. Oh. It, it, it's very odd. Having a lovely time <laughs> as Flair's got his ass out. Um, not the only ass to make an appearance. Uh, Jimmy Hart is on the apron, trying to distract. Fluger, oh, Flair, Sting. He's, try, uh, he's trying to distract, to, Sting. distract Sting or use the megaphone against Sting. So... Jimmy Hart's up, he's on the apron. Luger gets up on the apron alongside him. Luger's wrestling with Hart for the, the megaphone. And then Hart falls. They're both kind of looking. So as this is happening, Sting is going to be whipped into the corner. Or Sting has whipped Ric Flair into the corner. Sting's coming charging in for the corner splash. But Luger, I think it's supposed to be accidental. Luger takes the, he's fighting with Hart, grabs it. And mm. as he, I think what's supposed to happen is as he steps back off grabbing it, it's supposed to be the same moment Sting impacts with the splash. So it's like an accidental Luger pulls it too hard and accidentally, because it goes up over his shoulder, just happens to hit Sting in the face. Right. But Luger's like a clear second and a half late and it, it, it just muddies it a bit because now it's it brings into question, okay, did Luger mean to do it? Yeah. Was it an accident? Uh, Luger's selling it like it's an accident and then, you know, what happens next uh, with Flair picking up the victory with a knocked out Sting like a very easy... Puts him in a figure four yeah. pulls the ropes. Pulls the ropes, Sting's out, it's referee calls it and then Luger runs into the ring to get rid of Flair, starts attacking Flair and then Luger shits himself turns to the, the, the aisle a couple of times to like triple take, shits himself again and then runs off because Hogan and Macho Man come out to help Sting get up yeah. from the, the the ground and they charge out don't which they? there is there is, it does make sense so like uh macho man and hogan have been questioning luger's loyalties and where they lie and they, they kind of want to protect have they? Sting from very it. subtle they, they want to protect sting from it and so when luger sees them he's like oh fuck this i'm two on one i'm getting out of dodge but at the same time it, it's sort of like oh my god like what the fuck Right, the issue we I not have, have, like, how long has this been running? Why hasn't this been resolved yet? We've had matches between everybody now. Can we not just draw a line under it? No, we can't ever. Oh. We can never draw a line under it. Luke, the thing with Luger is like, there's no doubt in that, like, as a character, he's he's a good character. People yeah. gravitate to him, but there's a real like. I don't think he gets slash cares about there's the new arts of stuff. There's a disconnect yeah. and. When you give him something like this that is a bit nuanced to do, yeah, he, he shits the bed with it. Look, I think he cares. I think I do think he cares to that degree. Like he doesn't want to fuck up his spot because the thing is, if you fuck up your spot, the, you're gonna but have a hard time. But you're gonna have you're gonna have a hard time getting back to it. So I think he genuinely doesn't mean to fuck up because why would you go in there unless you're wanting to get fired, meaning to fuck mm. up? But I I think it's just the like as hard as he thinks he's working. To kind of rectify it, I don't think it's quite the level that it needs to be no. where the timing's off and things are just kind of flat and, you know, promos come out kind of stunted and it's it's just a bit... You kind of see the cogs going in his head all the time. Yeah. Like he's always overthinking it. I don't yeah, feel like I trust I think him. It, it, like that would plague me like hell if I was a wrestler. I'd be overthinking everything because mm. I'd be like, do I need to be here? Do I need to be there? What's happening? I'm on the outside. Should the manager be attacking me? Should I be attacking the manager? Should I be screaming at somebody? Should I be playing with the crowd? And of course, you've got to run through all this stuff beforehand, yeah. which is, you know, how they plan matches. Big surprise. Uh, but, you know, what? they... <laughs> 
But it's like for me, I, I'm I just second guess everything. So I'd just be like, ah, uh, what am I supposed to do now? Like mm. I know the beats of it, but fuck, what am I doing? Right, okay, where am I supposed to be placed? What am I? Do- and I think he might just be a natural overthinker because he's somebody that actively, you know, he doesn't feel like he really wants to be, you know, a wrestler in the lifestyle. Mm. He just wants to be a wrestler job. Yeah, he just wants yeah. the job of a wrestler. So he wants to have wrestling matches. Yeah, and he's going to have, you know, all the fame and everything that comes with it and the possibility to break off and do whatever he wants, mm. provided he's able to keep that spot. But he's already on a reduced salary. So maybe it's just a kind of, well, fuck it. Yeah, that's it. And I so therefore don't give him these things that are yeah. nuanced. But it's sort of like the company's just trying to throw him a bone, I guess. Just like, yeah. go on, get you in know, there so and do it. This is how we do it now. Just try and do it the way yeah. that we want you to do it. But it is convoluted. I mean, mm. the, the fact you've got four people involved, it has to be specifically at this one moment of time. You are going to be looking at Jimmy Hart the entire time arguing while not looking at where Sting is. Of course, he keeps glancing to see what's going on and then immediately comes back, but he's too late. And mm. and then hearts down, and then it, it. But you know they they played off quite well afterwards because Hogan and Macho were in the ring. They're like, well, it was Luger. Luger hit you with the mm. megaphone, and he did it on purpose. And it does, you know, it, it leads to more questions, which ultimately isn't a bad problem to have because you know you can keep Luger in this gray area, and maybe you know if the crowd hate him enough after it, then yeah. fuck it, let's go in a new direction with it. But. Meh. Sting, yeah. yeah, Sting didn't know that Luger always hit try him. to see the best of it, but Christ. yeah, it's difficult. Hogan, yeah. <laughs> Hogan, and Savage are telling him like Luger hit you. You can't trust him. We've told you. I told you from day one you couldn't trust Luger. Yeah. Says Savage, and you're dying by it, man. Sting is kind of coming round. And he goes, "Oh, Luger hit me. Oh, I'm gonna go hear that from the horse's mouth myself." And then Sting Bye. fucks off so that you know the real stars can have all Absolutely. the uh, camera time. But my favorite part was when Hogan runs into the ring to save Sting. It really looks like for a moment. He's toying with the idea of pinning him before realizing Sting isn't the champion. Because <laughs> he kind of just gets on his knees next to him and he's just kind of like his hands here by the knee. Can I pin him? And it's just like, oh no, Flair's just left with the belt, hasn't he? Flair's left with the belt. Come on, <laughs> up you come, Steve. <laughs> Uh, Hogan if and- I do this on TV everybody's going to cheer and I'll be champion and that's what all everybody <laughs> wants don't they that and pasta lots of pasta please eat a pasta maybe everybody I've taken out a loan to do this business <laughs> uh, Hogan and Savage they talk briefly about Clash of the Champions where it's going to be them two versus Giant and Flair they haven't explicitly said this on the telly till tonight yeah so we're sort of picking up as we go and then Hogan says you and I have got a problem. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Are we still? I think, I think we do have a problem here, Hulk, and it was caused by you being a fucking twat when it came to you know the, the, the general handling of how Randy's situation went. Oh. When you got in there and you led to all these questioning like moments, and it, it, you'll see it many years down the line when you've got fucking Hogan going out there before the main event, and he knows the main event's a cage match, and he calls for the cage to be lowered to the uh, back-to-back cage matches just so he can have the cage match. And it's like, that's kind of, that feels like a similar situation as to how we got into this mess with Randy in the first place. Yeah. And Randy's spotlight once again being taken from him. And it's just, yeah. I did enjoy Randy saying, my name's not Nick Bockwinkle. It's like, it's not Randy. (laughs) Well well done, done. Randy. You're very good. Uh, This is like, this is Hogan upset that Randy Savage, who has just lost to Lex Luger, who is injured, is getting a title match next week and not Hogan. Uh, well, yeah, because the belt's got his name on it, brother. That's yeah. my belt, brother. Why is his name on the belt, brother? My brother? belt's that belt, brother. That's my belt. 
That belt's my belt, brother. I'm going to beat you for that, that belt. trousers are about to fall down, You better brother. win that belt and I'll beat you for it, brother, because that's my belt, brother. And then Hogan, the most important thing from this segment is that Hogan makes sure to leave the ring so that he can have his entrance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is Rather what? than just fucking hanging around through the commercial break and cracking on. <laughs> uh, giving himself an extra few minutes in the ring Savage now. Savage leaves <laughs> first, saying like, look, I deserve the title shot. I've earned it. We're yeah. not having this conversation now. I'm going to see you. Yeah. To which Hogan gets upset and he shouts, we've got a date at the Clash. You're my <laughs> friend. I don't know why it made me laugh. Come back. You don't leave on an argument. Like, don't get to bed on an argument it's with your just partner. Ever. He's just like, he's like, you're my friend. That's not going to work, Hulk. You're my friend. Everybody in the audience knows that he's not your fucking friend. Don't be my friend. <laughs> Everybody in the audience knows that if you could throw him under a bus to get that belt, you would do it <laughs> in a heartbeat. You'd, you'd ask which bus, brother? Yeah, which bus? <laughs> Is it the X9? That's sitting outside right now. <laughs> Saturday night will feature Harlem Heat versus Sting and Luger. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. And Jim Belushi. Hey. Maybe he'll team with Sting. Uh, main event o'clock, and that's right. Meng is out. Oh, now, come on, Tom. I... It's not Meng. It's Spider Meng. You've seen his entrance, bro. <laughs> Just whatever is Spider Kang. Yeah. Have you seen the, the, the fucking the eyes that don't line up? Because it's supposed to be like an executioner's hood, but it just looks like Spider Man. It just looks like Spider Man eyes. <laughs> it's a strange look. Um, as now, if you if you watch this through and miss this, you'll be forgiven. Yeah. Because I had to rewind it just to see exactly what happened here. Because you see Meng led out by the Taskmaster, and they both start beating up this guy on the floor. Right. <laughs> and they don't reference it on commentary. I was like, hey, what happened? Invader? No. Uh, cameraman <laughs> because there's a guy there's a guy taking pictures by the ringside yeah and I think what happens is Taskmaster rushes him and pushes yeah. him over because there's like the guys on the floor and then there's just like this this nice quality yeah. camera on the ring apron so I don't know whether like he falls over and whether Taskmaster makes it out like oh I pushed him yeah. or whether Taskmaster just decides to push a cameraman. Well, I think this happened a couple of times in WCPW, but it, it it's always like usually pre-agreed. But it's a good thing mm. for like a, a heel team. It's just a little kind of yeah, fuck you, cameraman, yeah. and everybody's like, what are you doing that to him for? He's not hurt anybody. Like, <laughs> but they didn't acknowledge they didn't acknowledge it on commentary. They were too busy yeah, putting over too Hogan. busy too busy gassing. But that's the thing. They've got to talk about Hogan for a prerequisite amount of time. So yes. Sullivan just timed it wrong. <laughs> How all, dare you all on Sullivan wrong. all on Sullivan out comes Hogan <laughs> for the main event he gets the double entrance like we yeah, all love of course um, because May he's a <laughs> here's the thing for our main event with Hogan versus Spider-Meng Meng batters Hogan. Yeah, he's really laying All it in match. there, isn't he? All really match long. laying it in. It's chokes and chops. It's, and... it's a match long Hogan comeback. Yeah. Literally, they, they start from the dead spot where Hogan is like, he's obliterated. He's he's out of ideas and he's not quite got the juice of Hulkamania running through his veins yet. So you start kind of there. Meng has just beaten the shit out of him and it's great. It is great. He gets, him like, gets a bit in there as well. Yeah, whenever he can, he's just like judo chopping him on the outside or tripping him, doing whatever he can. But yeah, Meng just laying it in, makes Meng look like a million dollars here, just kind of taking it, not taking any bollocks back. Just going for it, laying it in. But then, of course, there comes the moment where Hogan's down on both knees, Meng's looking at him, and he goes to strike him, and Hogan just starts doing the shake, mm. and he starts looking around, and then from that point onwards, it's a five-minute Hogan comeback. Oh, but, but, but what we get is, as well, we get yeah. Hogan fighting, we get Hogan sort of laying some fists in in the corner on yeah. Meng. The ref splits them up, and in the ensuing chaos, Meng gets the spike. Oh, yeah, yeah, spike! yeah. Spike! And spikes Hogan cover 
two count, then the whole cut begins. Like Hulk, I didn't realize the spike was used that early. Really early on, yeah. Hogan takes the spike. Because the spike's involved in the finish, yes. uh, where we've got, like, it's Sullivan up on the apron, uh, Sullivan going to hand the spike to Meng again, I guess, uh, and Meng goes to grab it. Hogan gets it, though. Referee's kind of lost in this mire of, get down, mm. Kevin, what are you doing? Get down, Kevin. Uh, and then Hogan uses the spike on Meng, uh, spikes him in the face, and then spikes him in the knob when he hides the spike in his trunks. And then, which was smart, you know, yeah. at least he didn't just throw the spike down. He immediately covers his hand after using it, just uses the thumb end of it, bang, and then in the trunks. And it was like, okay, that was nice. Yeah. That was nice. Cheeky Hogan. But yeah, it just kind of, yeah, it's just sort of expected finish. Meng wasn't going to beat Hogan at this point. But Hogan used the spike to beat Meng. He did, but yeah, at this point, it, it's naughty. more, it, we're still in that era where if a heel wants to use a weapon, and it gets used against them, then it's just desserts. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's a face doing it. You have the most true. over baby face in the world. If a heel introduces a weapon and it gets used against them, it's like a, a, a life lesson, isn't it? It's yeah, like, well, don't fucking bring a weapon to the true. ring. That's don't true. do that because this is what happens. You've deserved that. So I think it's more Hogan teaching them a lesson. Mm. And it's more like a, you know, Hogan can think on all these fronts, including using a weapon when he needs to. He's so clever. Because otherwise they would have used it on him. So I, it makes sense, but yeah. I enjoy Savage, yeah. who kind of helped Hogan get the win, runs into the ring, doesn't like go and like thank Hogan or embrace Hogan, runs straight to the top rope and starts hot-dogging and grandstanding. Yeah, like, yeah I'm here, man! Because Hogan, well, he may as well, because that's yeah. what Hogan does every time he that's fucking it. wins. I, I think so. That's fair. That's tit for tat. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's some real shit. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Macho runs down, obviously, as Sullivan's got the spike, and this is part of the confusion why the referee's distracted is Savage pulls Sullivan down off the thing mm. and Hogan gets the spike at that point and then ref's distracted, uses it, sticks it in his dick and then goes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how the show ends. Next yeah. week, it is Macho Man versus Ric Flair for the WCW yeah. title. Peppy's having a nap. Peppy's having 12 a 12 out of 10 Peppy's. I love seeing Pepe on a little slip. Uh, Jim Belushi's on on Saturday night next week. Look yeah. forward to that. Bye bye. We didn't run out of time this week. We I did. feel like we haven't nitroed. <laughs> we haven't nit. Yeah, they actually got it all in the allotted time. Yeah, it's like they they got the 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 fuse got all the way down to the box, and somebody just went. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God they did. Um, we are in a never-ending hellscape. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Nitro. Come back next month for the same six matches. Are you, are you are you in the same boat as I am with that one? Yeah, it's trapped to the it, chair. You just yeah, you you've got to just fight through it. You got to fight through it because we've got the we've got the good Pillman stuff coming. Mm -hmm. We've got the slow build to the summer, and and you know the big question of who is the third man. So oh, we got all that to come, but continue yeah. to wade through the tunnel with us a little while longer. <laughs> Anything coming up you want to plug that you can talk about? Uh, nice no. to see you on the podcast last week. Yeah, it was nice. nice it was surprise fun, fun being on the podcast. Yeah. But yeah, no. Snake I, bit roster last still week. Still on. <laughs> you what? It was a snake bit roster last week, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like it was. We were down loads of people yeah. in general. So it was nice. It's a nice excuse to see you and Fraser. I thought you said yeah. a snake bit Ross. I was like, when? I don't know what happened on the podcast. <laughs> During the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were, we were, we were like um, WWF in 2001 last week. It yeah. was hilarious. Or AEW currently. Or current, yeah. uh, current, current year AEW. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just banging. <laughs> it was a nice excuse to see Sam Driver and Fraser make his podcast. But yeah, no, I'm still just working on secret stuff, so I can't really talk about it. I'll be on stream tonight. By the time you hear this, yes. I'm probably already live. Twitch.tv forward slash cultholic. And I'll be playing Klonoa. <gasps> Because it fucking Beauty. drops tomorrow, and I cannot wait to get back into Dora Fan uh, Dora Phantom Mill. Like, it's just, just, just. 
I remember Clano was one of the games I rented from Blockbuster for my play. It's up there with Tombi. Like the, it's just it's nice one of those, chunky platform. Yeah, but I I can go back play the PS One version all over again because it's almost like stylistically blocky and it just works. Mm, beautiful. And it's game. like nice and dark in places. It's it's good. Yeah, it is a bit for a, for a bit of a Kirby clone. Really, it, it it's it, it is so to a degree, uh, but but not at the same time. But it plays a lot like you know 3D Kirby did. All right. It does. I'll let you off a little bit. It does. But it's a banging game. Thank you. Twitch.tv slash Colin for Sam Driver playing Clonoa later. And until then, next time we are together, he is at the Sam Driver on Twitter. I'm at Tom Gamble on Twitter. Together softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 